0: We had uh, just a great time in worship right now as we lift his name up. I love this, the words in this song here as it closes out, walls are coming down. And uh, as we're talking about transformation, as we're talking about life change, man, that's your phrase. The walls are coming down. Uh, now what, Lord? What does it look like? How do I trust in you? How does this thing go down that you might be glorified? That's what we're going after. And so we're in a series now called On Fire, where we're going after not just some change that lasts some moment, but eternal change, change that lasts for eternity. And uh, that's a work that only God can do, right? And so how do we get after that? So let's just do this. Let's throw the triangle up. And uh, again, this is in your book, and uh, so you may want to turn to it here and... Uh, this triangle, encounter, Encounters on the bottom left. We did that in the last two weeks as we walked through the passages there, learning to encounter our God in creation and encounter our God in his word. And just taking time to say, Lord, I'm ready to meet you. This is not where you get a bunch of facts about God, but this is where you actually meet your God. This is a personal time with him, whether it's in creation or in his word, make sure you're encountering your God, right? That's the first step. And then the next step is we go upward into exalt, and we're going to be talking about that over the next three weeks here, today and the next two weeks, and excited to get into that as we learn how to worship the God that we just met. You see, all too often we get some information about God, and we get some facts about where we need to head, and then we just go run and try to do it. And it usually busts wide open and doesn't go well. And it brings some level of pain or frustration in it. And, and uh, everybody just say, that's not the plan. That's not the plan. The plan is, Lord, help me to meet you. Now may I get before you and worship you. And, and it literally says, 2 Corinthians 3, the glory of the Holy Spirit pouring over you will transform you one degree at a time. So that's what we're going for, as these walls are crumbling down one degree at a time, Lord. May your glory pour over me. I'm ready to worship you with all I've got. And from there, then, we launch out into the engaging, the doing that God might be glorified. That's what it looks like. So today, we're in Behold, Behold. So uh, make sure you got your books open. What page is that, babe? 42, 43, all right? Get to those pages in your book, and, uh, and then also we're going to Psalm 139 in your Bible. Psalm 139. Steve, I love how you answered me when I said, what page is that, babe? <laughs> our staff is close around here, man. And uh, All right. How do we behold our God? I'm just telling you this. Um, All too often, we kind of get into a ritualistic way of going after things, and that thing starts to get old pretty fast, and Lord, may you just reveal to us right now what we need to go after. And so as we dive into this passage of Scripture, Psalm 139, here's the beauty of it. It shows the greatness of God in four different facets. And in fact, if we look at these facets, they're the same ones that we saw when we looked at the heart that God is looking to work in with us back in toxic. And and so this is kind of an overlap. We are going to see God today in a way that's going to meet you right where you are, wherever you are. I'm telling you, there's a facet of passages in in today's scripture that you are going to need to hear. So just as we're going through it, Lord, help me hear from you, all right? And the best way to dive into Scripture is first with a prayer for our Holy Spirit to work with us, which we kind of already have, but let's do it again right now where you're participating with. Let's just go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, teach us from your word. Lord, teach me from your word. Holy Spirit, reveal to me right now as we walk through this passage, what I need to hear from you that I might begin this journey of exalting. Holy Spirit, reveal to me, please. Reveal to me. Just make sure you echo that in your own self there. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray these things, amen. All right, here we go. First thing when we're beholding our God, Uh, first facet, surrender. He knows every detail of my life and reigns supreme. Surrender. He knows every detail of my life and reigns supreme. He starts out here in Psalm 139, verse 1. "O Lord, you have searched me and known me. And uh, please note the first two words. "O Lord. This is a prayer. This is between David and his God. Oh, Lord, like I've reviewed in my mind and my heart all that you are, and I'm starting to do some celebrating now. So here's a praise prayer from David. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Notice the past tense on it. You have searched and known, like that's already done and over. You have looked deep within my soul. You know all that's going on in me. You know me completely you have searched me and known me. Past tense, it's done. He's already in that spot. God knows me. And uh, he says, you know when I sit and when I rise. So now that we're diving into Psalm 139, we have to recognize this is some Hebrew poetry. And so there's a couple different things that they do in Hebrew poetry. One of them is that they'll state uh, this and this, and they're like polar opposites. And the implication is, and that means everything in between as well. Okay? That's a big way the Hebrew poetry works. And so as you dive in here, it says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, when I'm sitting or rising and everything done in between is the implication. You know it, God. Everybody say, he knows it. Fully informed of every little detail in the entire Universe, and yes, that includes you. He knows you and He loves you. He knows every little detail. It says, You discern my thoughts from afar, He knows what you're thinking. You see, human beings, we can know some details about people when we watch them act or react, when we listen to them speak, we hear them say something, and we kind of get to know a little bit about them. But God knows what's even going on in the mind, what's going on in the soul as we process things. He's knowing what you're thinking. And uh, some of you are like, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. And uh, hang on, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. Remember the extremes. My path, like where I'm walking when I'm up and moving, and then where I'm laying down and sleeping, and everything in between, right? You know all of it, God, And, and you're searching out the whole of my life. You're fully aware of every little facet of my day. Yes, he's aware of what things you chose to eat for breakfast and what thoughts you're having about the day and what's going on at work and where you're at with family and things you're thinking about saying to someone or not saying to someone and God's fully aware of all details and uh says you search out my path and my lying down you are acquainted with all my ways and uh how many of his ways all my ways and uh this is our God. He knows everything, not just about one person, but about all humanity, not just about all humanity, but about all of the universe. Our God knows everything. It says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know exactly what I'm going to say. And how often do we live our Christian walk where we try to put the filter on, right, and uh, there's nothing wrong with filters, by the way. Uh, keep using your filter. Okay. But we put the filter on, and we have some thinking going on inside, and words begin to spill out. And we're able to stop it. We're like, oh, oh, oh. almost said something I didn't want to say there. Right? And, uh, but inside, we're thinking this. Yeah, but I still think it. Right? Is it just me? Come along with me on the ride right? And so we really, we're in this spot where we have things in our heart and our mind that we're thinking, even if the filter puts a stop on it and God is fully aware of all things going on inside. It might even be encouragement and praise thoughts you're having. You're like, you're really appreciating your impact group leader and all they're doing for you and, and, and you, you just haven't said it. But God knows where you're at and the joy of it and the, and the passion of it. and the, It may be time to actually share a little bit of it too, but I'm telling you, God is fully aware of our thoughts, whether good or bad, fully aware in the midst. And uh, it says, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Uh, that looks something like this, Ready? So you hem me in is like behind and before, right? And then lay your hand upon me, Okay. So it's getting this sense, okay? For those of you who are claustrophobic, right? For those of you who are maybe not quite sure if you're comfortable with this with God, that actually begins to be a little bit of a threat, right? Uh, I'm not exactly sure I want to be hemmed in behind and before. And uh, this is a statement of care. It's a statement of protection. It's a statement of love, but um, it oftentimes can leave us. Uh, feeling something other than that. That's an issue with us. And uh, we'll talk about it in just a second. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is uh, high. I cannot attain to it. Like, God, you have a knowledge I can't even imagine having. You have a knowledge of me and a protection of me that comes in it that I can't even imagine having. And uh, This really is David um, celebrating the protection he has in his God. And I I read one of the commentaries this week, and they were like, this is David complaining that he doesn't feel very comfortable with God knowing all those details. That's that's what they wrote. That commentary needs to be burned. Like, are you kidding me? Look at what he's saying. He's celebrating it throughout, but I will tell you this. uh, I just put two words down. When we hear this information, we will respond with one of these two words. We will either have a sense of comfort Or we will have a sense of constraint. Comfort or constraint. And uh, that's what you're going to feel when you get a sense of God knowing everything and having his arms before and after and his hand over. And there's this sense of protection in it as God knows exactly where he's headed and he's watching over you. But for the one who wants self-rule, this is very uncomfortable. In fact, let's just throw the uh, quadrant of the heart up. Okay, and um, so you'll notice this, you, if you remember back to the toxic series, this is one of the quadrants of the heart we talked about back in the fall. For those of you who weren't with us in the fall, you'll want to get back and listen to that toxic series in October, November, as we talked about the heart and the restoring of the heart. But uh, this is one of the things we looked at, is pride ends up be getting this self-rule off to the left there. God is not in charge. I'm in charge, Right? And, and what comes out of that is sort of a, a forcefulness, and at times what is called an anger, some of us may not even think of it as anger, but when we're forcing our way into a situation and controlling, that's actually a form of anger, and there's an expression of that that comes out, this self-rule, and when you're in self-rule mode, I'm telling you, you will feel this as very constraining, okay? God knows every. Detail of your life. And he's hemming you in behind and before and cupping his hand over. God's working with you completely. And if you're feeling that sense of constraint and hearing those details about God, then really there's a need for transformation here in moving over to the surrender side. And uh, Lord, please heal me. Lord, please help me to recognize you as the God in charge, and I am not. Lord, may I be able to declare like David does, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I cannot attain to it. You've got this, God. I don't. Lord, help me to hand this to you. May your glory in this area just wash over me and convert me into one who is seeing God as fully in charge and surrendering to him. Okay? That quadrant move actually occurs with verses like these. And being able to look at verses like this in Scripture and wash over them and pour over them and pray over them and have God's glory revealed to you as you like, write down in the minutest details, this is who my God is. And I need to sit under and entrust him. Man, what a huge privilege you can have to see God work. And, you know, you've, you've seen it at the mall or maybe in your own home where there's parents who are working with kids. And if they've just had a little battle of some sort and then they try to go to hug their child, they get the major push away, the stiff arm, you know, the mm, right? You get that? And then if there's other times where they're just tired and they just really wish their parents would, would take care of them and they pick them up and they're holding them and they just collapse in and they melt in, right? And both of those are options and which one are you with, God? <clears throat> Hang on, I got this! Or I'm relaxing in the fact that God knows exactly the details and He has this in hand, okay? That's the first piece of beholding is surrender. He knows every detail of my life and he reigns supreme. And uh, number two, hope. He is present everywhere and I am never left alone. He is present everywhere and I am never left alone. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? He's asking a question here where the answer is uh, nowhere. And uh, what's the answer? Okay, so listen, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? Answer, man, there's nowhere you can go to get away from our God. Our God exists everywhere. In the first six verses, he knows everything. In these verses, he is also existing everywhere. Okay, And it says, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Again, remember the two extremes and the implication of and everything in between. And so the heavens, the place where God and the angels currently exist, the heavens. And, uh, and then Sheol, and this is the place where the dead go in Old Testament phraseology, both the good, those who are headed for heaven, good meaning in alignment with their God and faith with him, trusting him, right? The ones who have this faith in God, but also those who refuse to have a faith in God. Both are headed for Sheol. So there's really actually kind of two compartments, if you will, down in Sheol, and uh, one for those who are uh, eternally heaven-bound and one for those who are actually eternally going to be separated from God. And please note this, it says that God is present there. Hang on. I always heard hell is explained by uh, the place where God isn't, right? And I just want to say that's a nice, easy way to try to explain it, um, but that's missing it a little bit because what we just did is we took away the God is present everywhere statements that are all over Scripture, All right, we have to be very careful with that. God is present, yes, even in Sheol, and yes, even in hell itself. Now, note this though, but God will hold back his manifest presence. Okay, major difference. His manifest presence, the experiencing of him, the common grace of God, the goodness of God poured out and lavished out, he will be holding that back, but present everywhere. Okay? And that's a huge deal as we read this. God is present, yes, in heaven, yes, in Sheol, everywhere. Everybody just say, everywhere. There's no place we can go that God isn't. The end. All right? uh, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in its uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, like I'm standing at the seashore and as far as I can see out, right to the edge of the world, I can see it just kind of, just the edge of it there and the horizon on it. And if I went all the way out there, and uh, God's there. God is everywhere. God is there. and uh, So what? I mean, so God is present everywhere. What difference does it make? And um, please note what he's doing while he's there. Even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. You catch that? There's a leading and a guiding. He's directing. From anywhere in the universe, he can reach out and he's connecting with you right there and he's leading. You are never in a circumstance or a geographic location where your God does not lead. Never. Your God is right there with you. Man, does that bring hope. And uh, he says, not only is he leading, but he is holding me. Please note what's holding him, your right hand. Right? There is justice In what you're doing. That's what it means when he brings up his right hand, the ruling hand of God, the justice hand of God. And he is holding. There will be an ultimate uh, rightness in what's going on. God doing a rightness in your life over the long haul of things as he's working in you. No matter where you are circumstantially, no matter where you are geographically, God's got it in hand. And all of God's people said, That is our king. It says, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be night around me. Uh, Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. He's like, all right, fine. Maybe, Maybe it's anywhere I go, you're there. But what if I like make it pitch black where I can't see you, I can't see anything. And just so you know, His statement is, well, darkness is as light to God. It doesn't hold him back at all. In fact, I just wrote these words down. God is light. God affects the circumstances. The circumstances do not affect him, right? And that's the beauty of our king. God is light. And God affects the circumstances. The circumstances do not affect him. And he is they're holding you and leading you, and God's got a plan in the midst of it. What a huge promise we have here. You know, uh, before I came into the pastorate, I was actually in business um, in the engineering world. I, used, I worked in the telecommunications environment, and I was in a design team. We did some uh, chip design and software programming and all that for about 18 years. I did that with marketing along with it and just had a blast doing that. Uh, One of the things we did is begun to work with the cellular arena when they kind of started rolling out, late 80s, early 90s. Things really were starting to boom in the cellular arena and they had guesstimates of where things could go. And I remember at one point we were talking with the Verizon guys and uh, they actually had a map that they currently had and it was like in the major cities there were little red dots, right? And and so if you at least got into the city, you could make a phone call without going to a phone booth. It was unbelievable, right? And uh, that was the big sell, and these little red dots were just so... And then they just started growing, the little red dots. Now if you actually go and look in an international plan, there's huge portions of the globe that are covered in some way, shape, or form by Verizon. But you know what isn't covered at all? Anything in the oceans... Anything in the deserts. There's huge, vast areas uncovered. And what's going on with that? Well, they've decided to actually put it where people are. Right? And so they've limited themselves. I want to tell you this God's coverage plan is universal, 100%. There is not a place you can go without God there. And all of God's people said, Amen. And that is exactly the promise. That we have a God who cannot be walked away from to a spot where he isn't. He leads and he guides and he's actively invested. Let's just do this. Let's throw the heart up here. Again, from the toxic series. And uh, again, off to the left. um, In our unrestored heart, we've got the unbelief. And it leads to this self-pity. We begin to get very uh, high expertise on circumstances. Right? And in the midst of watching our circumstances and we don't like how it's going, we've begun to convince ourselves that God doesn't love us. He doesn't care for us. He's not in it with us. In the midst of the self-pity, you'll oft- often hear a complaining or a grumbling that goes on. If you're a complainer or a grumbler, that's the beginning stages of this taking place. And uh, we call that despair in the end, biblically. We're like, woe is me. I am all alone in this. And, And we're like, that's silly, right? Academically, we can pass that quiz. But how do you do emotionally and spiritually throughout the week? How do you do as you face the trauma or the heartache ahead of you? And while it's a hard circumstance, being able to recognize God is right here with me and he is leading me and he is holding me my God cares for me and I will trust in him and uh, I just wrote down two words here that uh, may pop for you that might be deeply assuring and if so that's great that might be a a spot where you maybe uh, aren't needing some healing or growth Or you might feel deeply alone. And uh, if alone is what you're feeling, if alone is what you're wrestling with, and this whole presence of God with you thing seems a little bit like a joke, frankly, and uh, this is an area for you to really be digging deep on beholding the glory of God, that he is everywhere, and he is caring for you throughout the whole of it. Your God loves you. And he's holding you and leading you in the midst, okay? Simply put, are you wrestling with a sense of aloneness in your struggle? Or do you grasp that God is right there with you? Right? Beholding. The art of beholding is recognizing our weakness and getting to those things that are truisms about our God to help us understand him more and have his glory pour over us. So the first was surrender. The second is hope. The third, trust. He has intricately designed me with great purpose. Trust. He has intricately designed me with great purpose. And uh, he starts out in verse 13 here. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Man, the miracle of life inside of a mother. And God is saying, I purposely, specifically knitted together exactly this way. You as you are, physically, emotionally, as God has set you in motion, this is who he's knitting together. This is what he's allowing to come into place in your life. God knit you together. believe that. See, the sciences walk up to it and they're like, or it was chance. Maybe it was just all luck. I'm going with luck today. Luck is my answer. And uh, just so you know, that's a grave miss. And a high stealing of a promise from our God that from the moment of conception, he is right there with you. Not only hanging around or something, not just holding and leading, but literally knitting you together with all of your gifts, with all of your talents, with all of your passions, with all of your insights, with everything that you are. God has knit you together. And it says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And uh, David thinks pretty highly of himself, right? And uh, how often do we go before God and we're like, I stink. God, what are you doing? Why did you make me this way? All right, and we start to blame out on sin issues. And uh, how about this instead? God, you've got a plan in mind and I'm ready to see all of that sin go. May you be glorified. Lord, may your plan and your ultimate desire be taking place in my life. And um, He says, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And uh, there's something deep within us that begins to get satisfied and trustworthy of our God. We begin to trust him more and more as we grasp what he's doing. As we grasp the depth of detail in his interaction. And uh, he says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, uh, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Every mom knows what we're talking about right now. Every mother who's had a child in their womb and they've actually felt this child growing and personality begins to form and there's moments of um, them, whether they're kickers, or rollers, whether they're up at night or in the morning, whatever it is, you know things about your child. You begin to get to know them even before they're born. And there is an intricately woven together thing that God is doing in this. There is a huge promise that your God is not just about the big stuff of life. Don't bother him with the little. He is knitting together every little detail of every human being that has ever existed. And all of God's people said, and that's huge truth. Says your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. In your book were written the days of my life that I would live. God knows what's coming. He's not caught off guard. Hey, man, there's this new thing called open theism. And what does it mean? It means everything's just kind of rolling along, and God really had no clue what was coming next. And it's sort of like playing shoots and ladders. Ever played that game? That's a frustrating game, man. And it's like playing shoots and ladders, and you never quite know what's coming next, and what the, what's going to be the roll, and what's going to make the cards, and what's going to happen with it. You never quite know, and neither does God. What a ripoff of a theology, and so not anchored in Scripture. God knows exactly what's going on. He is completely in charge. He has a book. I can't imagine the size of this book, right? And uh, he's got this understanding completely from beginning to end of how everything will roll out. That's our God. That's our God. And here's the deal. Some of us hear that and we're like, then why live it? Um, we need to get you back to point number one, right? That's a self-rule statement, isn't it? Hey, if I if I, God already knows, then why should I have to? And here's the deal, man. You have been made for his glory. And there is intent and there is purpose. And if that's written down in his book, praise God, I want to know about it. You put me right where I need to be, God, that you might Be glorified. Man, that's what we're going after. Lord, may you be in charge and may I point to you and show you off what a huge option we have in the trust domain when we grasp that God has the days understood. He knows what you're hurting with and he knew it was coming and he's preparing you along the way And he's got purpose in it. Your God loves you. And he's walking along the path with you. Praise be to God. Trust. It's a huge moment for us to be able to celebrate him. And uh, it says, um, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Uh, If I could count them, they are more than the sand. And uh, Have you ever picked up sand on the beach and tried to count even one grain? Right? It's so complex, so little, so many, and it's all falling through your fingers, and then this world filled with sand, and he's like, more than the sands of the sea are your thoughts. You know exactly what's going on, and you've got it all in hand. And I love this statement, I am, when I awake, and I am still with you, like, Dude, I got so exhausted counting the sand of the sea, I about fell asleep right there. But I wake up and God's still with me, like God does not depart just because I'm asleep. God is here with me all the time, everywhere, with high purpose and high care. That is my King, and that is my God. It says um, that we have this wonderful privilege of knowing Him. And, uh, Two words I wrote down for this one. Um, if this isn't something you're being able to embrace, you're going to have a sense of like anxiousness or worry. Those words are going to be cropping in a lot. And, uh, and if you're beginning to grasp this and you're able to put your trust in him, then there's going to be a calmness, right? Anxiousness or calmness. And uh, which one are you? All right. Let's again go to the heart. This is the toxic heart again. And we look uh, on the bottom left there again. So now unbelief, it's feeding out through worry to self-protection. See, we're not trusting God, we're trusting me. right? I've been in a few circumstances where I've been hurt. And so I'm kind of done with that plan. And the whole God's got it in hand thing, mm-mm, I got it in hand. And uh, that's the heart that leads to anxiousness. Our question is always, but what if? But what if? And uh, are you living in what if land? How about this? It's already written in God's book. Trust him and lean on him. God's got it in hand. Okay. As we now move from uh, this worry that says God isn't able, it leads to a fear or an anxiousness. We can move to a healing that occurs as we now see God's purpose in it. God's writing it in his book. God's doing something he is fully able. I'm trusting in him. This is a healing that occurs when when we look at verses like these. When we see the depth of his intricate detail. When we see the purpose of our God. When we grasp that he has it written in his book. And we begin to celebrate that in him. Huge, huge privilege to be able to trust our God. So we surrender, we hope, we trust in a God who is knowing everything. He exists everywhere, He is loving always, and He has purpose the whole time. Number four satisfaction. He is greater than all others. And his eternal ways are best for me. Satisfaction. He is greater than all others and his eternal ways are best for me. Okay. He starts out here in verse 19 uh, with a little bit of a tone change. Right? Verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. What in the world? Is this even the same psalm? What is going on? And uh, in verses 1 through 18, this is what's going on. You are unbelievable, God. I I love who you are. I love who you are in this world. I am in awe of you. Lord, please heal me where I'm not trusting you, where I'm not hoping in you, where I'm not surrendering to you. You are awesome. Now, for those who won't surrender, God. That's kind of how we transition. Verse 19. God, if they can't see you for who you are, oh, Lord, slay the wicked. That literally does mean take their life. Lord, please resolve with your vengeance. That's what he's really saying here, right? Resolve with your vengeance. Lord, step up. You are awesome. May this happen to you that is right and just. And, uh, he says, "O oh, men of blood, of blood, depart from me. And, uh, Lord, may I not hang out with the guys that are constantly slamming you and pulling away from you. Lord, may I not be hanging out with that crew. And uh, I'm just going to say, um, I want to be a little careful with how we apply the next few verses, and we're going to talk about it for a second, but I do want to say this. Um, please note that he's careful about who he's hanging out with. And uh, for those of you in junior high, high school, and uh, watch your friendship crew, man. Watch who you choose. Are they honoring their God, your God? Do they get who God is? And it's not wrong that we have a ministry outreach, but to make them friend is very different than to make them ministry, right? The difference there. Like ministry, you're reaching out to care for them, but you'll never depend on that because they're leading a different direction with different values. And maybe you're in college or you're a young adult. Maybe it's in the workplace and you're beginning to get distracted by people who look cool Because they're able to do the, you know, I don't really have any boundaries thing. And uh, just so you know, be very careful about those friendships and watch out for your God and his honor. Okay? I'll just say that. Now notice what it says here. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. God, they're just mocking you outright. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Lord. Seriously, does that say hate? Does yours say hate? Right? Is that biblical? I think he just said he hates someone. I thought we're supposed to love people. What's up with that? Do I not hate those who hate you, God? And uh, he says, and do not I loathe those who rise up against you? You're like, this is sweet. I knew I could loathe someone. (laughs) Right? And uh, I hate them with complete hatred. I'm not sure there's a better phrase. In all of Scripture, to try to summarize a frustration, moment, I hate them with complete hatred. Really? Is this biblical? And, uh, and then at the end, I count them my enemies. How do we handle this? And I just want to say this. Um, a couple things we do need to note. if we're going to look at Scripture, let's just not look at a part of Scripture. Let's make sure we look at the whole of Scripture, all right? And so let's grasp a little bit of what's God's, of what's going on here. First of all, David is declaring, "God, I'm defending your honor." And these are people who are absolutely wicked, right? This isn't the dude who you're not quite good with because you don't like the same football team, right? It's not that kind of measure. This is like they are evil against God. Just remember that the level of scorn against God is where he's calling out this vindication and uh, hugely standing against uh, God Almighty and uh So he is calling out for God to vindicate. Please notice he is not saying, Lord, let me vindicate. Uh, May I go in there and get it, right? Romans 12, 17 to 19, super clear. Do not avenge yourselves, right? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so you allow God to be able to take that on. In fact, we're told in Matthew 5, uh, verses 43 and 44, love your enemies. So love your enemies, Hate them with a perfect hatred. How how do those go together, right? How do we work this out? And uh, some will try to just throw out one of the scriptures, right? And uh, everybody say, that's a bad plan, right? Some will say, well, David was voicing his emotion, but he's in sin, right? And uh, really, Like he was actually quoted by Paul, Jesus quoted him, and uh, both in these imprecatory psalms, these kind of calling out the hating or the loathing against, we see it in Romans 11, we see it in John 15. And so we do have this uh, use of the scripture in the New Testament as inspired scripture. Probably not a good move to do that either, to just throw it out or to call it sin. And so how do we do this? How do we balance it? Uh, I just wrote this down. Um, First of all, let's make sure we catch the main point of this passage the main point is this. You are awesome, God, and I stand with you. Okay, that's the main point. Like, if you want to catch the main point of this passage, you are awesome, God, and I stand with you. And I want you celebrated, and I want you honored. And uh, see, all too often when we try to love someone else, We're willing to step away from God and his morality and his rightness and his justice. And we try to get close to the person and love on them by being uh, merciful or gracious, forgiving, releasing. But we're separating from what God is trying to accomplish. And we end up with trouble in it. He's like, I'm with you, God. Okay? That's a huge statement. And that's the main point. And then let's just say this. Two real points we're supposed to get out of it. Number one, uh, long to exercise, long to see God exercise his vengeance as he sees fit. Long to see God exercise his vengeance as he sees fit. Please note that also means on us. So we're a little careful with this, right? What, how do we apply this? And uh, I will balance it in just a second. But like God, you're in charge and you're holy. And I long to see you meet your glory out in this world. And then here's the second part, not just long to see his vengeance meted out, long to see God exercise his mercy. Long to see God exercise his mercy as he sees fit. And uh, man, there's the heart struggle. Longing for the vengeance and longing for the mercy at the same time. Why? Because God's glory is in his wrath, which is the vengeance, and it's in his mercy. Right? And so, Lord, we long for your glory displayed however you see fit. And if that's vengeance, so be it. And if that's mercy, so be it. But I'll tell you this, where God's mercy is on display, they're no longer decrying out against God and making bad of his name. And so he's like, in this case, I'm trying to stand here in this spot and Lord, they're not with you and so I'm standing with you. And uh, man, you cannot go through the awesomeness of God's scriptures right, and come away with a, I'm just kind of neutral. I just kind of hang in the middle. Whatever God's going to do, whatever they're going to do, I'm just telling you, that's not a place you end up standing as you get in awe of your God. The more in awe you are, the more close you want to get to him and the more you want his holiness to be what's unleashed in this place and yes, his mercy to be unleashed in this place and those two together. And uh, that's what we're going for. All right? Now I could say this, we could make a whole series on how should we work with our enemies, how should we handle things, and I'm not going to go into all those details. There's a lot more pragmatics we can make. I'm just going to say this, a God of mercy with no justice is not really mercy. That's a God of total tolerance. He just lets it all slide, right? And a God of all justice and no mercy, well, that's not a God of love, right? And so, Lord, may we see you as this complete, awesome God. And all of God's people said, All right, the complexities of the passages. Okay, he got done saying um, his statement of where he stands against others, so how should we respond to this? And uh, he's starting to go into a few pieces here, so I want to make sure we get the heart understood. Let's make sure we throw up the last heart. And um, okay, again, here's the quadrant of the heart. And if you're wrestling in this area, It's going to be all about self-pleasure. It's going to be, I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. It feels good, and I want to bust out against it. And uh, two words I wrote down here, uh, you're either going to be content in what God calls you to, or you are going to crave. There's going to be these hungers and pangs for wanting beyond what God's giving or allowing, and it just can't seem to be satisfied. If that's where you are, this is a quadrant to be looking at. And uh, please notice that in this quadrant, there's an understanding of God and what he brings as vengeance or retribution. There's an understanding of God and the punishments in the end for our sinfulness. There's an understanding of his rightness, our wrongness, okay? It's a huge facet of grasping where we need to head if we're wrestling with foolishness. Lord, may I find you satisfying. May I see the penalty of running after self. And uh, Lord, may I go after that with all I've got. In fact, you satisfying, if you look over to the other side of the quadrant, uh, it's God is enough. God is fully sufficient, right? And we're hoping for that quadrant to just kind of be raised up as God's glory pours on. And uh, I love the phrase that he puts at the end here that really helps to find God is satisfying in the end. Uh, Listen to these words. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Remember, we started it with, you have searched me and known me, past tense. He ends it with, Lord, please continue that. This has been an amazing journey of me learning about you and what I have to give up in me. And uh, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is uh, any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is a huge prayer. Of humility, of setting down pride and saying, "God, you take over." And uh, okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do: Which quadrant are you? Look at those four there. Look at the passages of who God is. Is it surrender? Is it hope? Is it trust? Right. Is it the satisfaction? which are you? If you're a couple of them, great. Just as long as you know yourself. Really try to do the dig deep. Who am I? Okay, I'm giving you a second. You got it? I'm getting no feedback. You got it? Okay, good. So now you've got the quadrant you are now. Lord, may your glory pour over me in a way that changes me, that will last for eternity. I'm not going to go home and go, I'm not doing that anymore. Right? That's muscling it. Everybody say, we're not doing that. So how do we get the healing here? Lord, may I bask in your glory. May you and your awesomeness pour over me. In what way? How do I bask in his glory? Right as we did here. Each of these sections is looking at the greatness of God and the grandeur of your God, okay? It's this opportunity of basking deep in him. In fact, can I have your book, babe? Um, at the back end, that was John and that's not Steve. Yeah. And uh, if you look at the end, on uh, page 74, turn to page 74. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's 76. I can't read these in the dark. 76. It says additional tools. Okay. So please notice we've given you some statements uh, of healing. And it's like healing from fear. Do you see that? If you look at the next page after the hearts, uh, you can go past the hearts. We give you some steps under the next page. So healing from fear, please notice the passages we put at the bottom, okay? And there's different passages you can dig into. These are passages that will help you address the God whom you can trust. Or healing from despair, addressing the God who loves you, who's there with you. And all these verses that give promise in the midst of it. And healing from anger and addressing a God who's in charge and he's, uh, can be trusted, And healing from foolishness, addressing the God who is fully satisfying. And there's passages you can go through here. My request is this. Take some time to allow the right quadrant, whatever one you need to go after, get through those passages. And it's this. Who is my God? Who are you? And what do you offer in this case that that I'm not getting? Lord, I'm ready to set me down and I'm ready to bask in you. It goes like this. You are awesome. In what way? In what facet? And focus down in that area. You will be amazed how as you start digging into the greatness of God in that area. His glory starts pouring over you. You come up with ways where the Holy Spirit may be giving innuendo of stuff that needs to be let go of. Then stop with this. It's crushing you. And all of a sudden you start getting the, oh, okay, I get it. Lord, please forgive me. And and all of a sudden we're on to this huge worship. Behold, it means Take in his awesomeness and praise him back and celebrate him for who he is. And when it comes to healing, doing that specifically in the area where you struggle, man, that will bring rocket change in your life. Huge. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Let's go to prayer now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And we're just going to take a few moments here where you're going to hand yourself over to your God and behold him, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the scripture that gives us four facets of you and how we can behold you, how we can celebrate you. Lord, I just pray for each one of us in here as we wrestle with the things we need to let go of. Lord, we love you and we're in awe of you. And right where you are, Just worship your God. Thank Him for who He is, what struck you in today's passage, and thank Him. Lord, you are present everywhere, and you know everything, and you can do anything. You are intricately involved in the details of our lives. You are holding us. You are leading us. You are loving us. You are guiding us. You are working in us. You are awesome. And We praise your name. Lord, please forgive me. In the midst of this being you, please forgive me what needs to go. Just be very specific with them. All right, I'm going to ask you to do something. Stand up where you are. Just stand where you are. And recall back with me When we were in the toxic series and we talked about a couple of postures to worship, man, I'm telling you, it is essential that we get it when we get to behold. That we reach out to our God and behold him right where we are. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just close your eyes again, hands in the air, reaching up to him. Just reach out to your king. Man, take that posture that says, you are awesome, God. I worship you and I celebrate you. Lord, I long for you to do a work in my life. Lord, in the midst of these circumstances, I want to see you. You are my glorious king. You are the one who knows everything, who is everywhere present, who can do anything intricately involved in my life. Lord, you are awesome. I love you. I praise you. And just right where you are, hand it to him privately. What needs to be worshipped in him? Praise him with all you've got. Reaching it up to him. Thank him.